All right. Well, good morning, everyone. We're going to get right to it with our sermon for this morning. We're going to continue our month-long look at love. And we like to be open when we're doing this. We may have a theme, but we like the flexibility. And I recently came back from a meeting in which we were talking about love, God's loving. We were encouraged to maybe even remember about showing that love to others. So we're going to rearrange what was originally our schedule. I like to do things in order sometimes, but God's plans are always a little different than our plans sometimes. And so we're going to go with his. Me, I'm, we sing a song when we're children, J-O-Y, J-O-Y, that must surely mean Jesus first, yourselves last, and others in between. We're going to jump around a little, and we're going to look at God's love and how we love God. But we're going to skip straight to the O, the others, and about loving one another. Just in time. Because the next time we meet back together, it will already have been Valentine's Day. So we want to take a look at loving one another. As we draw closer to a day in which we are celebrating a day in which we love and show our love for one another. I want us to get a more accurate look at what the Bible's idea that the Bible tells us loving one another is all about. Now our theme for the month has been all you need is love. Being that all you need love because love overcomes virtually everything. And what we're going to learn today is to love one another as God commands, with actions and truth, to wherever it leads us. Now, how many of us remember the golden rule that we're taught as children, treat others as you what? As you want to be treated, right? Now, that is not some parent's brainchild or child-rearing expert's truthful nugget that they've been making millions off of, it's found in the Bible. Lots of words of wisdom get their roots from the Bible, and that one too. God gave a similar command when he says, love your neighbor as who? Yourself, right? Love your neighbor as yourself. Yet, what does that even mean? Because let's be honest, we can look at the world around us and some of us even have a very distorted view of what it would mean to love ourselves. So how can we even love others when we don't understand? He's not saying if you love yourself, and it's wrong, and you have problems, and low self-esteem, that that's how you treat everyone else. 
It's that golden rule. What you want for yourself, you should want for others. So we're going to look today at 1st John, and if you have a Bible in the pew in front of you, I encourage you to find it, 1st John. <coughs> Chapter 3, we'll be looking at 11 through 24. And in a minute, we're going to go ahead and read it. But we're just going to have some background. John will go on in this chapter, in these verses, to outline what love should be. But what makes John the authority? Well, John was often called the disciple whom Jesus loved. He was there with Jesus when he was hung on the cross, even when many others weren't. He had seen the perfect example of what true love should look like, the example that Jesus set. We sing that chorus, to be like Jesus. That hope possesses me. That's something John understood. In this passage, John is writing to the church in Ephesus. They were experiencing some problems when it came to those who thought the knowledge of God should be kept secret. How can you, how can someone know something if you never tell them, right? That's like when you love somebody, you should tell them so that they know you love them, right? So here John is saying something that they need to remember. To love one another as God commands with actions and truth. It was not enough to keep it secret. This kind of thing is something you want to share. To love one another as God commands with actions and truth. It was something that applied to them back then, and it's something that applies to us today. And so, what I want us to be able to take away from this today is that we are called to love one another unselfishly and sincerely. So that then and only then can we be assured that we are truly living up to that golden standard. Not only treating others as we want to be treated, but loving our neighbor as ourselves. And so we're going to break it down. And we're going to start with 1 John chapter 3. We're going to look at verses 11 through 17. The first thing that I want us to learn is to love one another unselfishly. And then I'm reading from 1 John chapter 3, starting with verse 11. The central truth, the one you have heard since the beginning of your faith, is that we must love one another. Please do not act like Cain, who was the evil one. He brutally murdered his own brother. 
Why would he do something so despicable? Because his life is devoted to evil and selfishness. And his brother chose to do what is right. Brothers and sisters, don't be shocked when the corrupt world despises you. We know that we have crossed over from death to real life because we are devoted to true love for our brothers and sisters. Anyone who does not love lives among corpse. Everyone who hates other members of God's family is a murderer. Does a murderer possess the beautiful life that never ends? No. We know what true love looks like because of Jesus. He gave his life for us, and he calls us to live our lives for our brothers and sisters. If a person owns the kind of things we need to make it in the world, but refuses to share those in need, is it not even possible that God's love lives in him? They commanded to love one another, to love unselfishly, sharing with one another. If we see someone in need, we're supposed to what? Help them. On May 2nd, 1962, a dramatic advertisement appeared in the San Francisco Examiner. A woman had placed an ad in there that said, I don't want my husband to die in the gas chamber for a crime he did not commit. I will therefore offer my services for 10 years as a cook, maid, or housekeeper to any leading attorney who will defend him and bring about his vindication. In other words, this woman says, I am so desperate. I will sacrifice 10 years of my life to look after you if you will help save my husband. One of San Francisco's greatest attorneys, Vincent Halloween, read or heard about the ad and contacted Gladys Kidd, the woman who had placed it. Her husband, Robert Lee Kidd, was about to be tried for the slaying of an elderly antique dealer. Kidd's fingerprints had been found on a bloodstained sword at the victim's shop. During the trial, the lawyer was able to prove that the antique dealer had not been killed by that sword, and that the reason Kid's fingerprints were on it is because he had once been to the, store, to the store and had touched it. But those two things were just coincidental. The jury, after 11 hours, had found Kidd to be not guilty. And so, what do you think would happen next with the woman, Gladys, after served 10 years of servant to this lawyer like she had promised? The attorney refused any compensation for what he had done, even accepted Lattice's original offer. We see there twofold. Gladys was willing to sacrifice herself to help her husband, right? She was loving unselfishly. And we see the lawyer willing to help out 
willing to show that love, to treat someone, to love someone as he would want to be loved, as he would love himself. And refusing to take anything in return. We are to love like Jesus, who laid down his life for us. Turn over to John. Chapter 15. But do it sincerely, 
and it's more than an act, it involves actions. To love one another in action and in truth. Look at Romans chapter 12.
$5 per pound. A little girl standing beside the lady in the arena began to cry. At $10, the tears were streaming down her face and she clasped her arms tightly around the lamb's neck. The higher the bids rose, the more she cried. Finally, a local businessman bought the land for more than $1,000 total. Seeing how upset the little girl looked, he had donated the land back to her. Thinking that she must obviously be upset about losing a friend, Bible tells us later that faith without works is dead. 
that we don't put that love into action, that we are just saying that we love one another as Christ has loved us and we do nothing. Well, we might as well be serving people up on a platter. We must share the love of God with one another. The Bible warns us that the devil is alive, seeking out to devour us. And when we fail to show the love of God to others, when we fail to share the love of God with others, we might as well be saying, you know what? I don't care if you're served for barbecue. Think about it. We are so upset about what happened to that little lamb. That's not even a true story. But what we don't get that we don't sign the same offense sometimes when our actions are less than they should be, when our actions don't match the love. It truly is said that all you need is love. But what that love needs to be is like this kind of love we've been talking about. It needs to be selfless love. It needs to be sincere love that is backed up by actions. God has loved us, and we must love one another. Unselfish, self-sacrificing. First Peter 1.33 tells us that sincere love comes from the heart and it purifies us. When we can love like The man who's willing to throw away a thousand dollars to make a little girl's dream come true. So we thought. Is the man who loved unselfishly. Money was no object to him. It didn't matter. He was a businessman. And sometimes in our lives we may be called and put into situations. Where showing God's love to others is going to make us feel uncomfortable. It is going to call for us to do things we might not want to do. It may call us to be vocal instead of silent. It may call for us to take a stand when we'd rather blend into the background. But 
we are called to love unselfishly, not thinking of ourselves. If we have to take a stand for somebody, if we have to stand up for somebody, if we have to speak out when we'd rather be quiet, Or if we have to be quiet for someone and just be there for them when we'd rather speak out. Allow God's love to show through us. Allow God's love to be what we give to the world. There's this little cliche saying, we say it a lot during Valentine's Day. They have Valentine's cards with it printed on it. It says, God loves you and so do I. It's this cute, catchy little phrase that we put on kids' Valentine's Day card. And when we do that, we underestimate the power that's supposed to go behind that statement. God loves you. God loves them so much, he sent Jesus for all of us. And if God was willing to show his love to the point of death, then honestly, where would we draw the line? We don't have the right Say, God, you're surely asking too much. Because he will never ask for more than what we can give. And he wants us to love sincerely in action, indeed. not enough just to say we love one another. And then harbor resentment or bitterness or anger or even jealousy or envy. Against anyone. Because if we have those feelings, we have not love. What did Corinthians tell us? Love is patient, love is kind, it does not boast, it keeps no record of wrong. That's what that love needs to look like. And if we're not there yet, and honestly, it's a struggle sometimes every day, we pray that God's love lives in you, through you, so that you may love others with the love of God. We're going to have our time of prayer. And a song is going to play. As it plays, just take this time in prayer. To commit to love others, to love one another, to love the world as God has loved the world. That he gave his only begotten son.
as the song plays, just take this time in prayer.